I would like to start by thanking, you know, Ottawa organization for giving me the chance to be an NHL player and living my dream and to the city of Ottawa uh, for taking me in and to all the fans, to all the people that live here. It's always going to be my home. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, how are you, sir? Doing a bit better. Was feeling pretty sick this morning, to be honest. Oh, yeah? Do you have, like, a stomach flu or just a head cold? Uh, it was just, like, headache and nausea. But bullshit, because I went and got the flu shot, and here I am. Maybe that's why. Because last time I got a flu shot, I got really sick from it. Mmm... Either that or you're pregnant, I don't know. Uh, I was trying to hide it. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just so happy for you guys. Aww. Is this gonna be like that Tenacious D skit where Kyle Bash shits out a baby? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, jeez. So, Tim, we've got to get into this episode, and we're going to start off with talking about this week's cover athlete, because this episode is Season 2, Episode 9, and if we're following... Chronologically, episode 37, so it's the Dean McCammon episode. Now, I'm pretty sure I know what memories you have of Dean, and I have the exact same memories, so let's just say it. The time he got fucked up by Chris Pronger in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, and it's a shame because Dean McCammon was having a very solid playoff run that year, too. Yeah, uh, and, just... and oh, and we also can't forget the, the next preseason when he got fucked up by Steve Downey. Yeah, and that was... I think he played a few more years in New Jersey after that, but that was kind of the end. Pretty much, man. Pretty much. So, let's go on and talk about next week's poll, because it is going to be Season 2, Episode 10, Episode 38. And we've got three people on the board right now. We've got Vladimir Ruzhiska, Jason Zent, and Brad Smith. 
I'm not going to wow. lie. I haven't heard of two out of the three of these guys. Some real all-stars there. Yeah, fucking all-stars, guys. <laughs> yeah, so I currently checked the poll, and last I checked, it was two votes for Rosiska and two for Smith. And none of them are mine. Same. Yeah, so it'll be uh, fun watching us talk about guys. We, uh, shuffles notes, uh, read about on HockeyDB. Yep, or HockeyReference.com. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because the episode after it, we got some real beauties. We've got Joe Juno, Dominic Hasek, and Matt Cartner. Oh, and Andreas Anglin. Oh, so people people will have opinions about. I know. It's going to be crazy. I was I would have gone for Spezza, but again, we already did him for episode 19. And, you know, you can only have one player for one number, Tim. Mm-hmm. So with all that out of the way, how has your week been other than your potential pregnancy sickness this morning uh honestly it was pretty chill uh mostly it's uh just been at home making sure that you know dinner gets cooked and chores get done mostly uh no, nothing too busy no rainbow soup no rainbow soup we had an i ended up making a stew this weekend so i'm pretty happy we haven't ended up with more rainbow soup oh we didn't we did end up buying some new plates and stuff though uh, i guess this just gives more credence to the whole baby theory but yeah and like a new uh, artisan market opened up in kensington and it had a large one of the main kind of anchor stores within the market is uh, a japanese importer okay yeah so we got like proper bowls for soup uh nice plates uh a mug with a kitty on the handle and uh, things to make sure your chopsticks don't roll around on the table oh that's awesome mm-hmm yeah, and it's nice because there isn't a lot of, uh, like, there's a lot of, like, Chinese and Korean uh, cultural stuff in Calgary, but not a lot of Japanese. So it was a nice addition, and it's close to where we live. So I like more of that. That's awesome. I'm actually kind of surprised there isn't more Japanese, given that Calgary is a very diverse place, and also it's where the Canadian athletes for the Olympics train. So I'm kind of surprised that Japanese culture isn't as more prevalent in Japan. Yeah, prevalent in Calgary than it is. I was a little surprised myself, but I can understand why there's not a lot of Japanese cuisine in Calgary, because good fish is hard to get. Yeah, I mean it's not like if you live out here where you know we're an hour from the sea. Mm -hmm. Well, just go down to the Inner Harbor and jump in. Yeah, well, it's funny because in Victoria, it's still kind of hard to find good seafood at a decent price. But I think that's just more a Victoria thing than anything else. Pretty much, man. Pretty much. So let me tell you about my week, Tim, because as you remember last week, I was talking about that I hurt my back. Yeah. My back is feeling a little bit better now. So that's nice. Yeah. So I decided to go back on the ice there today just to see how my back's feeling. Skated for an hour. My back felt good. So I think I should be ready to go to play some more hockey on Wednesday. Nice. Yeah. Now, actually, I've got a story to tell you because it's been kind of hectic at work this week because on Friday, we were down five people. So I ended up doing double duties of what I do plus dishwashing. Same wow. thing on Saturday. So like that was, what happened? Was everyone just sick? Or? Yeah, it was just a really bad bug get going around. And oh, I think geez. there was one person who... Okay, well, one person booked off. So that she doesn't really count. One of them, her son was sick. And the other three were sick. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not the story I want to tell. Because the story happened on... Happened on Thursday... 
Was it, I can't remember if it was Wednesday or Thursday. Anyway, so I had to clean out the fryers because we were deep frying some stuff. And I'm thinking, all right, you know, this will be nothing job. I got it done. And we uh -huh. have an oil drum in our loading bay to empty out the the oil. The yep. drum was full. So oh, I'm like, no. oh, fuck, okay. No worries. I'll go get the uh, the copper pots out of the dish pit. Mm -hmm. So I'm filling it up, filling it up. I'm going, okay, that's good. Uh, okay, try and put a little more excess oil into the drum. Okay, that works. Now, I had a little bit left over, so I emptied it out. Went out, sprayed and washed the defryer out. And so I had a little bit of soap and water. And the one copper pot that had oil in it, I didn't realize it was still hot. I thought it had oh. cooled down, so I put it in there, and the fucking thing overflowed into the loading bay. Mm. I know, and I'm like, oh, shit, no, don't do this. Right in the middle of dinner service, it was like an ice rink in our loading bay. I was trying so hard to clean it during dinner break, and I was pissed off. And I got the power washer, and oh, it was brutal. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so... That's pretty much the story. I mean, I had to, after I cleaned it, I threw some salt in there because we didn't have any kitty litter in the kitchen. Uh, okay. Which, fun fact, everybody, salt can you can be used for those kind of things. Yeah. I'm sure everybody already knows that, but I don't know why I'm repeating it. I don't know. It seems interesting. I don't know. I also don't do a lot of driveway maintenance, so. No, you don't even have a driveway. Uh, I gotta walk up. <laughs> you have an elevator, Tim. Sometimes that gets slippery. Nah, eh, fair enough. Yeah, especially in their, in the lobby there when they're mopping. Yeah. Did you almost eat shit? One of us almost ate shit. <laughs> was that Chelsea? I think it was Chelsea, wasn't it? Eh, who knows. I don't, yeah, I don't, why the hell were they mopping on a Saturday, anyway? Well, maybe they wanted to clean it, Tim. Maybe they've been slacking off during Stampede Week. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um... Oh, one thing I did forget to mention about my week is uh, I watched a really terrible show for a very dumb reason this weekend. Okay, what's the show? It's an anime called Wizards Barrister, and it's it's bad. But it does feature quite possibly the most loving depiction of a real Canadian superstore I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Like, straight up, uh, for some reason, one of the main characters is half Canadian, and they go, go back to Canada. Okay. And uh, they need to buy food for whatever reason, so they just go to a fucking superstore. But what's magic is just how, like, the show is, like, it's really good at, like, those attention detail things, and then sometimes it just falls right on its face. So they get off a plane in Boston, leave Logan Airport, which is actually pretty close to what Logan Airport actually looks like. Okay. Then they hop on the Hollywood freeway. Seriously? Yeah. And they even have, like, a highway site pointing to San Pedro and then like they somehow end up at Harvard and then they've got like panic shots of the Harvard tea station oh so that's like, accurate, ridiculous it's like accurate accurate what the fuck accurate I know yeah, apparently then, even my dogs can't believe that that's where they're going nuts right now yeah that like it's weird because like two of the characters like the Canadian character and another one of the characters are leaving Boston heading towards Canada and the Japanese character's like oh you could drive and uh, the Canadian character's like why the fuck are we driving? It's like an 11-hour drive. I'm like, good. So, the, the Japanese, someone actually bothered to look at the drive from uh, Boston to Ontario. Yeah, because you just know somebody like yourself would look that up and be like, they're absolutely wrong. And then tweet well, at him about it. 
no, I'd be like most times it like whatever Canada's in anime, it's like fucking uh, G Gundam where Damankashu walks from fucking Pearson to the Rockies in a day. So the Japanese just don't understand scale. At least they're fine. Like, oh, this is a long drive. Maybe they have maybe they have a Canadian writer on their staff, Tim. Or just like one guy decided to went like the only like the fact that she's Canadian has almost no other bearing to the show. So yeah. what I'm thinking is this guy went on whoever was like the art director went on vacation to like the East Coast. It's like we gotta send people there. Why? I don't care. Figure it out. So they're in Boston. They go from Boston to Ontario. And which anime was this, Tim? Uh, it's a shitty show that airing this season called w Wizards Barrister. Okay. So if anybody it's, listening out there is interested in checking that out, Tim, how can they find it? Is it on Blu-ray, DVDs, uh, is it online? It's going to be on Crunchyroll. Okay. So it's just an anime streaming service. Don't bother with most of the show. Just watch episode 7. You heard it here first, people. Tim's anime recommendation. Well, it's just the Superstore, really. And no, this is not going to become a segment, Tim. I'm sorry, but... Okay, maybe it might become a segment, but you never know. What, dumb Canada shit in anime? Yep. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So let's get back to the episode. Now, last week's episode, was a, I thought it was a pretty decent episode recording-wise. I was feeling good. I was pumped. I was ready. Right up until the end, and I started to falter. It happens. Yeah. What do you think about last week's episode recording-wise, Tim? Uh, I thought it went pretty well. I think I accidentally muted myself at one point. Mm-hmm, and I know that I picked that up, too, and I was listening to it, like, okay, I don't I don't hear anything, and I was waiting for you to say something, but the delay was too long, and then you started talking again, and I was like, oh, thank God he's back. Yeah, so what I've noticed is the stupid... I really have to just go out and buy a proper microphone, because this stupid headset's got a mute... a giant, easily-pressed mute button on it. Mm-hmm. And, like... Sometimes it'll fall next to my desk chair, and I'll press the mute button. Yeah, because I know even when we record, I'll suddenly hear be like, "Yeah, Tay, so just this," you know, I would hear shit like that, and I'm like, "And what the hell is going on? Like, is he moving a microphone around?" I didn't realize you were you were still using your headset. I thought you had actually got an actual mic. No, it's just one of those things that's been on the to do list for a while. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think if I get a mic, I'll probably. Probably just record from the couch or something. Yeah, just like when we were in Calgary, Tim. Hmm. Except I won't be in that chair, like, like a foot off the ground, like, ugh. Jesus Christ, I'm trying to get up. That's a comfy chair, though. It is a very comfy chair, Tim, but still, still, when you're somebody my size, it's tough getting up and down, buddy. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And also, you know if I, I can make chair. one more recommendation, Tim. Yeah. To the next person who sleeps on your couch... Can I recommend maybe um, a foam layer on top? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I guess found the crack. Yeah, because I mean, after like, you know, the first couple of nights was fine. After like the third, I was like rolling around trying to find the sweet spot to get comfortable. I was like, oh, why is Tim like get a fucking foam layer for this couch? It's the crack. I can imagine like night one, night two, not a problem. Then all of a sudden, it's like, I have to get away from the crack. Yeah. Can't get away from the crack. <laughs> yeah, and then like the fourth morning I wake up and my stomach's killing me from all the sugar booze and carnival food oh jeez which by the way I am still sorry that that smell happened in your bathroom Tim I didn't have to deal with that no actually in fairness I was the one who apologized to Chelsea be like 
I, I'm so sorry for that. I think I just went to the bathroom at work, to be honest. <laughs> no, you know, you gotta poop when company time, buddy. Exactly. So, Tim, now that we've got all of that out of the way, let's segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. I'm not going to lie to you, Tim. I don't know what we're going to do with all this time now. We've got a sort of a short top of the hour to do today. Well, it looks like it'll be, be busy pretty next week, though, so let's keep at her. All right, let's start off with the big news story of the week. The Toronto Maple Leafs have re-signed RFA holdout William Nylander to a six-year contract with $41.4 million with an AAV 6.9. Huh, nice. Nylander recorded 20 goals, 41 assists, or 61 points in 82 games last season for Toronto. Boy, I can't wait for the Leafs to enter cap hell in a couple of years. This is going to be fun. Yeah, and it's it's an inter- definitely an interesting situation. Don't blame Nylander for holding out. I hope part of the reason he held out is just so he could get a nice contract number. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the way it rounds out, you get to 69, 6.969. So, doubly nice. <laughs> Giggity. But, uh, no, I think this is a good contract for Nylander. Uh, be interested to see what the Leafs do. Mm-hmm, because I know that, you know, into next season, they're going to have to re-sign Mitch Marner and that Austin fellow that nobody really cares about. You know, come on. Come on. Yeah, what kind good. of a player injures both his shoulders... And can't score four goals in a single game all the time. What a bust. But, uh... Not like Thomas Shabbat. He's just a beautiful man. No kidding. Or our boy, Mark Stone. But, uh... The big thing I find is, uh... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh... Martyr and Matthews end up with contracts similar to, uh... McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah, cause you, so you're saying you're not going to see it like what they did in chicago with taze and kane hard to say but uh, i mean you're seeing the repercussions of that in chicago now with all the moves they're trying to make to fit underneath the salary cap yeah and they're they're three shiny stanley cups yeah that's true i think that's worth it yep so tim you remember last week we were talking about dan carcillo and his Twitter thread talking about the the hazing and all that stuff he suffered in junior hockey. Yeah. We have another player who came out, Tim. Oh, geez. Former Florida Panthers, Sean Mathias, confessed on Twitter following Dan Carcel's thread regarding hazing in junior hockey that he suffered the same thing during his time with the OHL's Belleville Bulls. Mathias credited his former employer, the Winnipeg Jets, and their coach, Paul Maurice, for helping him deal with his issues. So that's a real class move by the Winnipeg Jets, that they are willing to help somebody out in need like this, especially given that he's not in the NHL right now. So I don't know if he's still in contact with the Jets and Paul Maurice, but I'm really glad that they took that very seriously. And even Dan Carcillo said on Twitter that his couple of his former coaches and David Branch and a few other people have come out and they have spoken to him as well. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, like, in some sometimes the NHL as a community is very good about these sort like dealing with the aftermath of these sort of things, and sometimes like in the case of Patrick O'Sullivan, it's been very callous. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like Bobby Ryan's another case where it's been NHL teams have been very accommodating for what for the aftermath of what Bobby Ryan's been through. 
So it's always good to see something like this. Mm-hmm. And even the same thing with Paul Ranger, too, with his issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so... It's a shame that this sort of hazing goes on. Mm-hmm. But I feel that in the coming weeks, we're going to see more players coming out talking about hazing. And you already know what my stance on hazing is, so we're not going to go into it anymore. But we are going to go into our next story, and we've got a... Wow, we've got a really big firing here. Philadelphia Flyers have fired general manager Ron Hextall after four and a half seasons. Hextall was named GM of the Flyers following the promotion of Paul Holmgren to team president. So, Ron, I just want to say that for the Philadelphia Flyers and the fans, you were an absolute legend as a player, and you may or may not have been that great of a GM, but, Ron, you're fired. Oh, you're going with that one today. Yeah. Not the full-on voice? No. Okay. I honestly didn't think that Hextall was that bad of a GM, to be honest. No, I don't think so either. I think his big... The big thing with Hextall this past season is, once again, the goaltending issues in Philadelphia, and the fact that Brian Elliott went down, and their backups went down, and they're one step away from just calling Kerry Hart up to be like, okay... You're going to play in the NHL now. I know you're not ready, but we need you. Yeah, but like that level of... That's just bad luck, not bad GMing. And I think Hextall was able... Like, of course, everyone jokes about Philly doing the most Philly things ever during the season, like coughing up coughing up what looks like secure leads or like coming back just to have all hope crushed in the most absurd ways possible. But Wait a minute. Tim, are you talking about Philadelphia or Ottawa? Both. Okay. Uh, Peak Philly is a term in hockey Twitter, but I feel like he's put together, like, the Philadelphia team is a team that, it looks good on paper, but just has been freaking cursed. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, for whatever reason, Philadelphia, you know, you can count on their one hand the number of legendary goalies they've ever had, like Bernie Perron, Ron Hextall himself, the late Pelly Lindbergh. And then you come down to the the other tier goalies they've had, like Tommy Soderstrom and Sean Burke and Garth Snow, and then they brought in Roman Shakmanek and Robert Esch, Michael Layton. Michael Layton. <laughs> Breeze Golov. Ray Emery actually reborn like his career was kind of reborn there. And, yeah, and in Chicago as well, where he won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. So it's like it's an intra it's interesting that they've just had these weird thing where goalies are either really good or they're just not having it. Mm-hmm. And it never seems to be a consistent thing. No, no. So it should be interesting who the Flyers are going to hire next because all, all signs are pointing at, uh, what's the fuck's name? Uh, Fletcher, the young, young yeah. kid there. Yeah. They're looking at him as a new GM. So, you know, we may or may not have to talk about it next week, Tim. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't imagine they'll leave that chair empty too long because trade deadline's coming up. Yeah, sure enough. Actually, speaking of the Islanders, New York Islanders head coach Barry Trotz received a Stanley Cup ring prior to the Islanders-Capitals game this past Monday night. Trotz joined the Islanders this past summer following his resignation as head coach of the Washington Capitals in June. That's actually pretty cool. But yeah, I really like the fact he got his ring. Yeah. You know, the Highlanders are such a weird fucking team this year. 
like everything kind of points that they should be kind of a tire fire, but they haven't been that bad. Mm-hmm. Like they could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, same with the Rangers right now, and the Rangers are like a couple of games above five hundred right now on a rebuilding team. Yeah, but it's I think part of it is they're like pulling in Barry Trotz was quite good and Lou Lamorello. Yeah, but then Lamorello did Lamorello things. That's true, but you know what? With, with Lamorello, he's at least going to bring in structure and a no-nonsense approach. Now, I understand that, you know, hockey Twitter would be like, well, why doesn't the Islanders go after somebody in more of a vein of a Kyle Dubas where he's more of a young, younger guy who brings in analytics and the fancy well, math I and mean, all that it's stuff, not right? even, like, the math stuff, but the pro- like, what I find is just some of like you you come in and you just bring in your boy leo komarov and matt martin and matt martin you're like okay okay you you kind of and lucas Pisa, so you get kind of like the okay here we go yeah but like, the thing is though is lamorello as a general manager was ruthless when it came to trying to get players and you saw that with hell even going back a few years with Ilya kolichak right look at all the money they threw at him mm-hmm. and now that the islanders are back at uniondale the financial pressure's off. I know. I'm not going to lie. I love the fact they're bringing back the fish stick jerseys. Oh. I'm low-key excited, Tim. Not going <laughs> to lie to you, buddy. But yeah, it's, I think now that they have a home that doesn't absolutely suck. No, it's just falling apart around them. That's different. Uh, they re- they refurbished it pretty nice. Well, it's Tim, be- we'll have to see, man. We'll have to see. Yeah, it's definitely better than where they were in Barkley. Yeah, that's true. Let's go on to our next story, Tim. TSN senior hockey writer Frank Civelli reported that Judge Justice Neil Gabrielson has approved a plan to distribute the $15.2 million raised on GoFundMe to the families of the Humboldt Broncos who died in the bus crash. Families of the 16th deceased will receive a total of $525,000 each, and each of the 13 surviving players will receive a total of $475,000. I'm surprised that the families of the deceased are getting more because if living with severe injuries is an expensive lifelong proposition, like it affects your ability to work, to learn and to live without assistance. Yeah. But the thing is, and you look at some of the, you know, some, even some of the players who survived, like they're really trying to overcome and achieve. Right. And we saw that with that one player who's taken up sledge hockey. Mm hmm. But it's, it really affects what you can do in life. It does. And but you know what? People, I mean, I don't want to say dis- disabled people, but, you know, people in wheelchairs and stuff like that can overcome these challenges and achieve. And I think that's what these kids are going to do, right? Because they're trained athletes. That's what they've been trained to do is that when you fall down, you get up. But at the same time, no, yeah, I, again, I totally understand what you're and going with, Tim. It's a lot more expensive than being dead. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not arguing with that, Tim, but I'm just saying, right, that, you know, these kids can't overachieve, and I do agree with you that they should have gotten the bigger cut, but, you know, ultimately we okay. don't have any decision in that, in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just an, it's an odd thing for sure. Yep. Now we're going to go from the humble Broncos to racism. Whoa. We could have worked on that transition a bit better. I could have. 
that there's no nice way of talking about this next story. CBC reported that a peewee hockey game in Nepiwa, Manitoba, turned ugly after several players and parents taunted the Wawa C. Capo Wolverines with racial slurs. The game was canceled before puck drop in the third period with one Wolverine player stating he never wants to return to Nipawa again. Hockey Manitoba was later made aware of what happened and the president of Nipawa Minor Hockey Association, Jamie Denbo, said that the team and the community of Nipawa takes these allegations of racism seriously. Yikes. Wow. I know, look, I understand that in these First Nations communities, this stuff sadly still happens, right? And, you know, and we even see that in the NHL with the African-American players, like the P.K. Subans, the Wayden Simmons, even the Ray Emery's, where this kind of stuff still happens to them. And I think the First Nations stories, I don't want to say doesn't get nearly as much coverage as when it happens to African-Americans, because the African-Americans are in the NHL, but still, this is absolutely disgusting what happened here. Yeah, and it's, you know, like there's just too many people involved that going to end up being a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. And I know even Theo Fleury said in his book, Playing With Fire, that he would play for one of these like minor pro teams in remote First Nations communities, and he said the exact same thing happened to them, and he even came out in the press and said that he wanted to return his gold medal after hearing all this stuff. Yeah, it's... It's kind of... It sucks. Mm-hmm. It's sad because, like, hockey's away for, like, probably one of the only really real ways that these remote reserves even get to kind of integrate into the larger Canadian community and it gets poisoned like this. Come Mm. on. Yeah, it's absolutely disgusting, Tim. I don't even know what to say on it. Yeah. So let's go into our next story. A new report from the New York Times has stated that neuropathologist Lily Naz Hasturi findings of CTE and former NHL enforcer Todd Ewan came back negative. Ewan committed suicide in 2015 at age 49 with immediate suspicions regarding CTE being behind his death. Ewan's widow stated in the New York Times that she was left in complete disbelief after she witnessed every symptom of CTE in her husband firsthand. I don't know enough about CTE to see and the tests and uh, the tests they run in biopsy and autopsy to know anything about the chance of it being there but not showing up under the tests themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like, these tests have come so far that these medical professionals are even finding new ways of discovering CTE in brains of these athletes, right? And we saw it with Bob Probert, we saw it in Chris Benoit, we saw it in all these athletes where they looked at their brain and you're thinking, wow, like, I don't know how these guys even functioned post-career. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, but... It's just, I don't understand the medicine behind this, so I don't really have a comment. It's baffling on, like, just what the brain can do and what can go wrong in the brain is just saying it's a a field of its own is understating it, and uh, my wife will have to give me a little pinch afterwards for making that joke. Yeah, it's a shame that we couldn't get Chelsea on right now to explain what's going on, but... Well, it's not her field, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if it was her field, I would say, hey, let's bring her on, let's ask her about it. But if you're saying it's not her field, then... 
Yeah, because that would be like biopsych or uh, or uh, neuropsych or or neuromedical. Mm -hmm. And Chelsea does cognitive. Okay, do these kind of professionals work at the University of Calgary that you know of, Tim? Yeah, a lot of if they're doing research, uh, they'll be working either at the University of Calgary or through or with the Department of Health and uh, bio, like I think it's medical sciences. And they'll be working at the universities uh, where the university does its hospital practice at Foothills. So they'll be doing some minor research stuff at, they'll be doing some research stuff at the hospitals as well. Okay. It, I'm really surprised that we can't just reach out to one of them and be like, hey, we read the story and is there anything that you could tell us about and that we could have said it on the show, but. You know, we could. Yeah. We'll have to get on yeah, that, Actually, Tim. I know a guy is re doing some stuff with CTE, so. I could actually just go talk to him. Okay, yeah, definitely bring it up, and then we'll we'll bring it up again next week, Tim. Yeah, well, as if I can get an answer. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Let's go into the next story. A trailer for the upcoming documentary on former Detroit Red Wings enforcer Bob Probert was released online. The trailer features his former teammates and players he played against, talking about Bob's career and his personal problems off the ice. Probert passed away in 2010 from a heart attack at age 45. He was working on his autobiography before he passed away, which I highly recommend because it is an awesome book. Yeah, I have a feeling like that documentary would be hard to watch. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's you know, you watch these kind of documentaries online, like they did. I think again, like the New York Times. I think they did one on Derek Bugard, and that's tough to watch because you hear it from the players' point of views of the injuries that they went through, what Derek went through, and then the personal problems he had off the ice. Yeah, and just knowing it's like he did this, like, not only just to help his, like, help his team, but to entertain, like, he is there, he's there to put on a show for the fans. Mm -hmm. And knowing that this was the cost, like, that's insane. And it's just hard to listen it is, but you know, at the time, right, it was that hockey fights is what, for a lot of the, either, even some of the small southern teams, right, that's what sold hockey to them, was the physicality, and that's what they did, you know, I don't know what to do, Philadelphia, when they first came in the league, that's how they sold hockey to it, and the WHA, that's what they did, so, obviously, times have changed, right, and the fact that you're getting these ex-players coming out in, like, Players' Tribunes, or these autobiographies or their documentaries on them and they're talking about the personal issues that went along with those injuries they've had is really kind of surprising given when yeah. you look back on all the stuff they did right well i mean it, i guess it shouldn't be surprising that guys getting punched in the head like 40 times a year have brain damage that i guess shouldn't be all that surprising no but i guess it's... but it's the other kind of injuries that they suffer right yeah. and you know, and that obviously leads into addiction and all kinds of other problems away but from the, the nice, ice. The nice thing is that the NHL has become established enough that it doesn't have to rely on fighting to drive interest. And a more skilled game has emerged and hopefully life's better for the players. Mm -hmm. The Winnipeg Jets have announced they will be honoring former Jets Abe McDonald and Lars Elek Sorgberg. That's a great name. I like that. By inducting them into their into their Hall of Fame prior to the game versus Minnesota. The Jets also unveiled a brand new Adidas Pro Heritage jersey, which is a throwback to the original Jets logo. I really don't like that logo. I am going to argue with that. I 
freaking love that jersey. That's a beautiful jersey. I don't know. I've just never been all that partial to that. Were you more a fan of the one from the early 90s? The Timo Solani one? Nah, I don't know. I just haven't really been a fan of... Outside of the modern Jets look, not really a big fan of it. I'm not even a big fan of the modern Jets logo, to be honest with you. I, I do like the Timo Solani era, and I've really come around on the original Jets logo. But it has a very dated 1970s like Pan Am look to it. Okay. And that might probably drive some people away, like you're saying that you were not a big fan of it. But when you look at it, it does kind of have like a dated look to it. But I think because the fans have such a nostalgia factor for it, maybe that's why that they're bringing it back. Yeah. I guess I've just never really been a big fan of logos with words on them, to be honest. Like the SNES. Like the SNES. Well, it's weird. Like, you either go one way or the other. Yeah, because really, unlike unless you're the New York Rangers who did it perfectly, I don't see too many teams that can have words on the jersey. And I totally agree. Like, I do not like the SNES jerseys. The original Tampa third jerseys that said Bolts was stupid. But I'm, I'm a little more different on teams that have words in the logos, like the, the Flying Skate Canuck ones. I like that. The Jets, I like that one. Uh, what other ones I like? I mean, I'm probably the only person who liked the Fisherman Islanders jersey myself and the logo. Yeah. It was kind of silly. You could probably work the Fisherman without the island writing Islanders underneath. I, you know the funny thing about that jersey is that I do like the look of them. They're not a bad-looking jersey. I understand that the logo is kind of goofy, although I do like the, uh, the, the Lighthouse shoulder patch. That's kind of a nice touch. Well, it's... I, like, the color palette is nice. Mm-hmm. And, like, the way it's kind of, fl- like, the flowing works with the rest of the the jersey. It's just Islanders. Like, words don't go on flags. Words don't go on logo. Like, sports logos is just my sense of style. Okay. So, Tim, we've got a couple of trades to talk about, buddy. Yeah. The Chicago Blackhawks have traded Nick Schmoltz to the Arizona Coyotes for forwards Dylan Strome and Brendan Perlini. Schmoltz recorded two goals, nine assists for 11 points in 23 games for Chicago, while Strom recorded three goals, three assists for six points in 20 games, and Perlini recorded two goals, four assists for six points in 22 games, both for Arizona. This is an interesting trade. Because, like, Dylan's a lot... A lot of people thought Dylan's, like, uh... Which Strom is this? Sorry, it's not... Dylan, yeah. Dylan Strom was going to be a big impact player in arizona and it's surprising to see him go out the door but at the same time nick schmaltz is nothing to sniff at and getting rid of perlini is addition by subtraction well the funny thing about this trade is that the fact that all three of these guys are former first round picks yeah it's a it's a little odd like i'm surprised that phoenix wasn't as wasn't more patient with dylan strom because i think he's he's barely 21 Mm-hmm. But you know what? Arizona hasn't had a great track record when it comes to developing players. They've done all right at drafting them, but just not developing them. Because if you were to take out Shane Doan and Oliver Ekman Larson out of the equation, who is really the last player they've drafted and developed properly? Yeah. Well, it's like Max Domi's out the door. Yeah, he's out the door. Um... 
well, I guess Keller, but Clayton Keller, but we'll yeah. have to see. Um, oh, I'm trying to think, what the hell is his name? Uh, I think he also plays for Chicago now, too. Christ, this is going to bug me now. I might have to look this up later, and then we'll talk about yeah. it. But, yeah, I don't got much to say on this trade, to be honest. I understand that Arizona wasn't more patient with Dylan Strome and Perlini, and I understand that their GM took some shots on him before he before they left. So, that's about as much as I got to say, Tim. Yeah. Well, if there's like a work, if it is a work ethic thing, then who knows? This could be the right trade. I'm a little surprised, but it doesn't look like uh, Dil- like Dylan Strom's been that bad. But it's like the kid produces a decent clip, given that he doesn't get a shitload of ice time. Mm-hmm. But kid bleed shots. But man, can he create a lot of offense? So I think it's just something he's going to grow into. Okay. And I'm a little surprised. But Nick Schmaltz is a very good player in his own right, so. Yeah, so he shouldn't be a bad pickup for for Arizona, so we'll have to no. keep an eye on it, Tim. Yeah, again, I'm just really surprised they cut bait this early. Mm-hmm. The Toronto Maple Leafs have acquired Morgan Klimchuk from the Calgary Flames for Andrew Nielsen. Klimchuk recorded three goals, five assists for eight points in 16 games for the AHL's Stockton Heat, while Neeson recorded three assists in eight as games. For the AHL's Toronto Marlies. It's a nothing trade, really. Yeah. I forgot he even played in the AHL. Probably nothing more than a few games. Probably. Probably not. Who cares? Yeah. Let's go into the real Ontario team here, Tim. The Ottawa Senators what? have signed def- defenseman Justin Falk to a one-year, two-way contract worth $650,000. Falk, who last played in the NHL with the Buffalo Sabres, was with the AHL's Colorado Eagles when he signed with Ottawa. Now, this is kind of funny because, and actually Joseph DM'd me saying, hey, that's funny. Well, after the, he got signed, he says, man, like we just talked about him on the show, and I'm surprised Ottawa went after him. But, and we'll talk about him later when we come to the, this first game, but I thought he did really well with the Senators in this first game. Yeah. Like, Justin Falk is Justin Falk. Honestly, he's, like, for a third-pairing defenseman, he does what, like, for your sixth, seventh defenseman, he does what you need him to, and, like, it's obvious he's here to replace Borbietsky while he's injured, but, honestly, if he continues to play at about where he was back in Buffalo, I'd probably keep him over Borbietsky. Somebody actually tweeted out that now we have two Ben Harpers on the team. Oh, jeez. Although, although we got some nice things to say about Ben Harper this week. We do, we do. Do you mind? Uh, do you mind if we I tag on one more story onto top of the hour? Sure. Last Friday night, uh, the 41st president of the United States, uh, George H.W. Bush, passed away. Uh, what this has to do with hockey is uh, George H.W. Bush was the first president to invite an NHL team to the White House. That's right. I think he, w- he invited the 91 Penguins? It was the 91 Penguins. Yeah, so that's an interesting piece of hockey history. Yep. And we also can't forget that his former neighbor, Homer Simpson, was Homer Simpson. <laughs> that's the, that's the, you know that's the first thing I thought of when I heard that he died was just like, oh, I remember when he and Homer were used to be neighbors. Yeah, was it actually H W who did the episode, or was it an impersonator? No, it was an impersonator because Aww. George w, or George H Bush and Barbara Bush hated the Simpsons. Aww. And do you remember that old? 
it was like a TV bit that they did where um, George H talked about you know Americans need to be more like the Waltons and less like the Simpsons, and so the <laughs> Simpsons writers created a thing where the Simpsons are watching that going. Yeah, we're just like the Waltons. We're waiting for the depression to end. <laughs> well, Tim. Oh, HW. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the hour, and it's kind of surprising that we're already finished. But we are going to make up for that because we've got four games to talk about. We've got the Sens versus the Rangers, Sens versus the Flyers, Rangers versus the Sens, and the return of the King. But before we do that... Let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Senators versus the Rangers. This is a 4-2 Rangers victory. Senators goals were scored by Mark Stone with two. New York Rangers goals were scored by Mark Stone, Lias Anderson, Chris Kreider, and Mika Zibanejad. Shots were 32-31 for the Rangers. Mark Stone scores first to make it 1-0 New York with nobody covering him down Main Street. Mark Stone cleans up to Chuck's rebound to tie it at 1. Lias Anderson, with a blatant missed goalie interference call, scores to make it 2-1 Rangers. Chris Keller scores to make it 3-1 Rangers. Stone gets a second of the night to make it a 3-2 game. And Sabinajad hits the empty netter to make it 4-2. So I had to condense watch this game because this was last Monday night and we were recording last week's episode. Now, I only got a couple of notes, and I want to start off with Mark Stone, because in this game, the one thing I've noticed on the two goals is that nobody covered him on either of those goals. Well, one of the things that's impressive with Mark Stone is he finds space. Mm-hmm. And he's just such a smart player that way. Yeah, and Mark Stone, he's surprisingly having a very quiet season. He's putting up points, but I think because of the production of Matt Shane, that his play is sort of going under the radar a little bit. It's kind of impressive that it is going on under the radar, and he's also playing with Colin... He's playing with uh, Colin White and Brayton Kachuk, so maybe teams are underestimating that second line, but do that at your own peril. Mm-hmm. But we also can't forget the the pair of Duchesne and Batherson, right? And they were very much like that Hoffman-Duchesne pairing last season, and it's almost become to the point where... I'm not even really mad that Hoffman's gone now. Yeah, I just wish they could have gotten more from him. Uh, but it's insane that, like, Mark Stone, 29 points on the season. I know. Jesus Christ. And we also can't forget that Tom Shabbat is leading all defensemen in points right now. Yeah, and then, as you're saying, uh, Batherson's he's starting to produce at a pretty impressive level. Seven points in nine games. For, mm-hmm. uh, how old is this guy? 20? If that, because I know this was the kind of production that people were expecting out of Alex Formanton, who recently has been named to Team Canada for the World Juniors. Yeah, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised when Formanton gets his shot, he produces at a decent rate. Because mm-hmm, uh, I'm hearing that Formanton is going to be the captain for this this year's Team Canada team. Oh, geez. Yeah, and Bernard Docker's going to be playing for them, too. That's actually probably the more surprising one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like that kid line has been fan-freaking-tastic for Ottawa. Yeah, and same with the third line of uh, Bo Decker, Tierney, and Bobby Ryan, too. They've been a mm-hmm. really solid shutdown line who can actually produce secondary points. Yeah, and they looked good that game. And I didn't actually like Thomas Shabbat's game for the first iteration of Ottawa versus New York we're talking about this week. 
just he wasn't on the right side of the puck. I felt like he was getting hummed in a bit, mm-hmm. which is pretty unlike Shabbat, honestly. Yeah, but, but you know what? Young player, going to have bad games. Exactly, and we talk so many good things about him that, you know, again, we talk so much good stuff about him, we got to talk about the bad stuff as well, you know, because we're equal you know had a good game, though? Who? Ben Harper. Yeah, this is something that we're going to talk about in these four games, is Ben Harper has really stepped his game up huge. Yeah, since he came back from injury, it's like it's like he almost dis- discovered that, oh, I'm six foot seven, I can just destroy people. Mm-hmm. And we definitely saw that in the next game, too. Yeah, and like, in this game, he was using his size to control the ice. And he was on the right side of all of his matchups. One guy, actually, sorry, Tim, one guy I noticed didn't have the best of games, even though the team in front of him actually did, was Craig Anderson. Yeah, but then again, like, three goals on 30 shots faced isn't a bad outing. No, it was uh, four goals on 32 shots. One's an empty netter. Yeah, fair enough. So, like, a 91% outing, not the worst. No, but some of those, a couple of those goals Andy should have had. Yeah, but then again, like, a lot of those goals were coming in. Actually, like, Ottawa did a pretty good job of keeping New York to the outside. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll really get to this point the next time we talk about the Rangers. Yep. That they're just not a good team. Exactly. But, I mean, they're also in a rebuild, too, right? So, So, Tim, do you want to head on to the next game versus the Flyers? Yeah, overall, I felt this game could have gone either way. Okay. Uh... And the fact that it kind of turns on a botched goaltender interference call is really indicative of that. Yeah. Yeah, let's go on to the next one. Cool. Sens versus Flyers. This is a... Wait a minute. Wait, am I seeing this right, Tim? Uh, 4-3... What? Yeah, 4-3 Senators. How the fuck did this happen? Oh, fuck, I don't know. Sens goes recorded by Dechakamania with two... Hudson Bacho and Matt Duchesne. Flyers goals scored by Travis Konecki, Jakub Voracek, and Rattle Gouda. Shots were 37-24 for the Flyers. Philadelphia outplayed Ottawa throughout this game. Philadelphia's offensive attack and physical play were keys to their early success as they took a 3-1 lead heading into the third period until Ottawa scored three goals in the third to win it 4-3. I am just going to say it right now. We had no business winning this game. No, not at all. Like, it's funny. Ottawa played pretty well until the Voracek, like, until Philadelphia's top line came out. And then Ottawa just got eaten alive by Claude Giroux, Sean Gattieri, and Travis Konecki. Which is funny because the note I have on it is that Ottawa's play was inconsistent. They went from chasing the puck carrier to playing solid to playing flat-footed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the only note I really have. Yeah, it was basically as soon as... Like, as soon as uh, that Philly top line was on, it was all Philly all the time. Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting. Like, once the first Kachuk goal went in, Philly went flat. Exactly. And let's talk about those goals, because the notes that I have, Kachuk 3-2 on a loose puck, Kachuk tip 3-3 from Shabbat point shot, and the Matt Duchesne goal. Wow, I could not believe he actually nailed that. I was, And it's funny, like, no, I was at work, obviously, when this game happened, and I was just looking on Twitter, and all of Sen's Twitter was talking about it, and I think you e- even commented on it, and I was like, 
okay, I've got to look at this when I get home. And that was just it's like... fucking beautiful. Whoa, like, what the frick happened there, boys? Well, it's like, uh, he places the shot first, gets his own rebound out of the air, backhand right into the net. That's all skill. Yep. Peak Philly. Like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, peak Philly, buddy. Yeah. That call, Mark Stone call White Brady Kachuk line also had another fantastic outing. Uh, same with the, like, the Bobby Ryan, uh, not so much Chris Tierney, but, like, the Bobby Ryan line also played very well. Mm-hmm. Bobby Ryan is another guy who's had a very quiet season where he's actually steadily putting up points, and I don't think a lot of people are mentioning in it. No, and I'm one of those guys who's always kind of kind of wanted Bobby Ryan to succeed. And 18 points is better than what we were used to seeing out of him mm-hmm. at 27 games so far. So, yeah, I hope I hope that Bobby Ryan continues with decent play. Yeah, but and I mean, you know, ultimately up for me, I don't want to see any of our players not succeed. But there's a few guys that I'm just like, oh, why are we keeping him around? And Bobby Ryan was one of those guys where... I understand that with that big contract, he's very hard to move. But I watch him, and I am very happy when he succeeds. Given you know, you look at all the injuries he's had over the last couple of seasons. He suffered from that from confidence issues. So it's really nice that he's been paired with Bo Decker and Tierney, and he's been able to put up some really steady points. Yeah, like I'm actually pretty happy with that as well. Anyone else? Anyone else that I really want to talk about this game? Uh, well, Tom Shabbat, a goal and an assist. Ben Harper! Ben Harper. Ben Harper destroyed a guy. Holy frick, boys. I was watching that going, wait, is that is that Ben Harper? Did, did he just actually do something right? Yeah, Ben Harper played mean, and honestly, he's looked like this game, the next game, and even against San Jose, he's looked a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in the game versus the Rangers that we're going to talk about next, I thought he he wasn't nearly as physical as he was against the Flyers, but I thought he put up a decent game anyway. Yeah, he just, like, it's like, oh, Ben Harper realized that he's big and has suddenly learned to use his frame. Let's see. Another thing to note is, other than Ben Harper's fighting penalty, Ottawa didn't go to the box this game. That's good. Yeah, and it was interesting because we were talking about Ottawa's discipline issues earlier in the season, and in this game and in the next game, Ottawa was not penalized. No, so, and actually, one more th- one more thing I want to go before we go into our third game. We have not had a single game this week where the other team led in 50 shots. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that Trevor Shackles and... Uh, who, I'm blank, Sorry, I'm blanking on his name... Uh, the other fellow that tweeted about, I think it was in their third game, where he said that the Rangers, or the Senators, won three to nothing. Anderson had a shutout, and Shabbat had no points, and everybody said it was a glitch. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty magic. Yeah. So let's talk about that that game that broke NHL.com, shall we? Yep. Rangers versus Senators. This was a three to nothing Senators victory. Sens goals were scored by Drake the Snake Batherson, Magnus PRV, and Matt Duchesne. Shots were 34-27 for the Senators. A mixed bag game overall. Ottawa dominated New York in the first period with their offensive attack. The Rangers were able to get back 
would get their game going in the second period and answer Ottawa's attack, and both teams played a more defensive game in the third to keep the score at 3-0. So Ottawa's offensive attack, I felt it was really strong for most of the game until they decided to play a more defensive game in the third period. Like, start to finish, it was a, a well-played game. New York just kind of felt all over the place. And other than a crop, like, this game could have been 5 nothing pretty easy. Pretty much. And we also got to talk about Ottawa's defense, because this is the first game in a while they did not allow 50 shots. I mean, in fairness, they didn't allow 50 shots in the other two games that we talked about. But, you know, that's not here, there, or anywhere. Yeah, and all of the Ottawa defense pairs look good. Like, none of the players are really getting pushed too hard by New York's defense, and were able to really contain, uh, like, whatever offense that well, whatever little offense that uh, New York was able to muster. Uh, the only New York defenseman that I thought had even a decent game was Freddie Clayson. That is true, Tim. That is true. Uh, let's, sorry, just to talk a little bit about Matt Duchesne and Drink Batherson because these two guys, they combined for two goals, two assists, and four points. As I said in the last game, reminded me a lot of the Hoffman-Duchesne pairing from last season, except, you know, yeah, Batherson that doesn't opening, have a fiance. That who's... Batherson's goal was filthy too. Oh, such so good, so good. And then PRV did something. I PRV has actually done a couple of things this week, much like Ben Harper. Yeah, I felt I feel like he's played a bit better this week. Uh, yeah. So hopefully we get to see more out of them from that. Yeah. Uh, I'd like those two to turn the page. Tom Pyatt wasn't goddamn awful. He was I know. When the was the last time you ever got to say that, eh, Tim? Uh, I guess there was that week he scored a goal and then every, all all hell broke loose. Yeah, that was a dark time for Sen's Twitter. Yeah, last week was weird. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. It, honestly, it was a, a complete game by the Ottawa Senators and New York just looked disjointed and kind of bad exactly uh the one final note before we're going to the fourth game is again Bar- ben harper continued his physical play over from philadelphia but overall not as noticeable as he was in philly but he, he had a couple a of good hits angry. he was angry like I, d- I don't know where the harper rage came from but i'd like to see more of it i know because that's what he is dude he's six foot seven you should at least have some rage to your game to intimidate the others yeah, and it's interesting because, like in this, like in the in this game and in the, and I noticed this, although it didn't really look this way on the shot clock, but I noticed this a bit in the San Jose game. Well, Harper dumps a guy in the San Jose game again. Mm-hmm. They have they start respecting Harper, so like they go wide around him. So and that's like that's what you want Ben Harper to do is control a lot of space on the ice because that makes it harder for playmakers to work on the ice if they're always looking over their shoulder for a big, huge guy to go Andy Sutton on them. Yeah, pretty much. Yo, if we ever got a... Would you be happy if Ben Harper did the old Andy Sutton? Yes. Are you an expert? Are you an expert? Were you there? So you're saying you're an expert? I would love that. That would be awesome. I love that. I know. Well, Tim, I guess it's on to the game that everybody had circled on their calendar. Everybody's wanted me and you to talk about it. 
Sens versus Sharks. This is a 6-2 Senators victory. Sharks goals were scored by Joe Thornton and Barkley Goodrow. Sens goals were scored by Ryan Dezingle. Ben Harper with his first NHL goal. Miguel Bodker, Mark Stone, Magnus Pierre, and Cody Ceci. I'm, no, that's not right. No, that's not right. That must be a typo. So, shots were 38-26 for the Sharks. A mixed bag game overall. Despite a sluggish and physical first period by both teams, Ottawa outplayed San Jose for a good chunk of the game, especially in the second period until San Jose got their game going in the third period. Well, that now, was a Now, everybody, wants, everybody knows why we're going to talk about this game, Tim. Because before the game... A figure emerged from the shadows in the tunnel for a lone skate on the ice while a heavenly voice spoke of the figure with a Carlson be thy name that's right Tim the return of the king Eric Carlson his first game back in Ottawa and he hands down was the best shark in this game with nine shots yeah and like whenever he was on the ice the sharks it felt like the Sharks actually knew what the hell they were doing, but for most of the game, the Sharks looked really disjointed. Mm-hmm. And, that, and you know what's funny? That's the one thing I noticed, too, was that, wow, like, they're really out of sorts. And I understand playing afternoon games, that that happens, but, wow, they were just brutal in this, this game. Yeah, and it's, even though, like, the Sharks took it to Ottawa on the score clock, it wasn't really domination. It was the Sharks, like Ottawa was up by four for most for a good chunk of the game. So of course they're going to sit back and let play a bit of rope a dope. Mm-hmm. Like that's just what happens. But like that's well known in the statistics community. So I don't even take that shot clock measure as all that huge of success. And if you really want to look at things once you score adjust it, the headline defense matchup: Thomas Shabbat versus Eric Carlson. Shabbat came out on top. Yeah. Which is surprising because Thomas Shabbat didn't really have the most noticeable games against the Sharks. But he was, like, when he was on the ice, the puck was going the right way. And that's all you can really ask for. Mm-hmm. Another guy who the puck was going the right way from, Ben Harper. Like we said, first NHL goal. He's had a couple of really decent games, like we've said. Uh, the one guy that I felt really made an impression was Justin Falk in his first game of the Senator and that fight with Sorensen after uh, Falk took a run at Joe Thornton was pretty good and the fact that he won that solid yeah and like if you're coming in playing 13 minutes and you're generally on the right side of things with a team that you've know you've been part of for about as long as Ian Cole was that's pretty cool mm-hmm. um like, I wouldn't mind if Ottawa carries him as a 7th defenseman. Uh, and I I think he's better than Borowiecki. Yeah. And I've always like been I, somebody who has always go, gone to the defense of Mark Borowiecki. But I, I have to agree with you, man. Like, Borowiecki hasn't really done much this season. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact he has an A on his jersey. I think the pressure really is getting to him. Yeah. And, I don't know. It's like, I thought he was starting to play smarter last year, but... Maybe that was just a blip on the radar. Yeah. And I think Justin Falk is like your sixth, seventh defenseman is all you can really ask for. And then, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Like, it'd be a shame to see Borbietsky be demoted for all that he's given to the organization. But 
I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Uh, so, as you're saying, this game's been billed as auto, like Eric Carlson's return after the bad bad breakup, and the player to get their re- their revenge, Mikhail freaking Bodker. I know that was surprising that Bodker was the one who ended up getting the revenge in the end. Yeah, four points. Jesus Christ. I know. But another guy that I want to talk about, because I really was impressed with this play, was Ryan Dezingle. Dezingle had a real... He went all out in this game. And so it's a shame that he only got one goal. Well, he was so close to his second. Like, also, holy fucking shit is Martin Jones awful this season. Like, for all the stuff we've said about Andy and Condon, Mm -hmm. Martin Jones is doing all of that, and he's not even getting... He's not even facing, like, 50 shots a game. Yeah, but you know what? I felt... I personally feel in this game, he wa- there was not much point of putting the blame on him because San Jose's defense got burnt number of times in this game. Just their yeah. their chipping, their breakout plays. San Jose stood there like, oh, fuck, the puck's already behind us? Yeah, like, and I felt like Brent Bird's Vlasic Braun looked terrible. Mm-hmm. Like the chip play to Carlson that led to Dezingle's almost goal. Like, that was... Like, what's Carlson going to do in that situation? Like, it's a bad chip from Dylan and an off to the races by Dezingle. Yeah. And it, it's impressive that Carlson was even able to catch up to Ryan Dezingle. And then uh, Dezingle... That's basically... Uh, Dezingle hits the blue line with speed and uh, Martin Jones is like, oh, shit, uh, to quote a former senator. Uh, and then gets beat clean. It's just unlucky. Like, this game could have easily been 7-2, 8-2. Yeah. Uh, the only meaningful goal San Jose had was on a th- was on a two-man town. Mm-hmm. Like, San Jose looked bad. Yeah, and Ottawa's offensive attack was in top gear for the majority of this game. And it definitely shows with the 6-2 score that they had. Uh, one more player I want to talk about. Again, Craig Anderson stood on his head in this game, and he got a standing ovation from the crowd. And for all the praise that we give guys like Thomas Shabbat and one or two of the other Ottawa defensemen, I didn't feel Ottawa's defenseman was perfect in this game. Well, I mean, that kind of happens when you're up by four goals. Yeah, but even for for most of this game, I didn't feel Ottawa's defense was all that amazing, to be honest with you. They had... I think they played well. Yeah, they had... To me, personally, they had glimmers of really good play but i just feel they couldn't sustain that throughout the whole game and maybe that's just me but even like oh yeah cody cc had a bad game yeah but that's understandable you know that's that's just cody cc but even like shabbat i didn't feel like shabbat had the the greatest of games and i understand that quite well honestly i i don't Um, know and it's not just because he it was moving well and when he was on the ice good things were happening but the thing is and i'm watching him and i understand he doesn't need to put up points every game but there's just times i'm watching i'm like i don't know something's not connecting there for me i don't know i can't, and i couldn't put my finger on it but i do agree with you that he was getting the puck out he was doing some stuff right but i don't there was just something not there i and i can't figure it out it's driving me crazy well i mean i feel like he was on the ice for and he was making good plays he just was a bit too far removed like once the puck got to net for it to really get on him but i think the other thing is just the forwards were so impressive that you didn't really notice the defense and that's all you can really ask for 
Mm -hmm. And if you're going to look at shot clocks or momentum, yeah, once you get up four goals, of course you're going to look sluggish because your sense of urgency is completely gone. Because Mark Stone's goal really shut the door and then Payarvi's goal shut it harder. Like, And like San Jose really only started going once they were behind. Right. And that was because they had that two, like they had that two man down capitalized. And then all of a sudden it's Dezingles off to the race near nearly capitalizes then ben harper gets his first goal and it's a goal that it looks like ben harper knows what he's doing and then bodker gets it and then all of a sudden san jose is like shit we're down two and then they can't really convert yeah so like, tim i don't have any that sorry ottawa go ahead dominated. this is a game i feel like ottawa dominated and it was a complete team performance okay so yeah so overall i don't have any more notes to mention if you want to head into the close for the evening one thing okay as a Sharks fan, I'd be worried because they've had a pretty rough stretch of it. Martin Jones has been awful. The offense hasn't been able to convert. And their playoff spot isn't guaranteed. Like, you this you know what? I'm just going to say it right here. A big part of me wants San Jose to miss the playoffs because we end up we're going to get that their first pick this year. Well, I mean, you would be magical, but probably won't happen. If, if we get Eric Carlson round. was behind it all, I knew it. Oh, Love yeah. him. Love him. But, like, Ottawa like Ottawa gets San Jose's first-round pick, and San Jose's wins the lottery. Oh, like, that would just be the best. Oh, we would just fucking love Eric Carlson for that. Like, thank everyone, you, Eric. But it's like, like everyone and their dogs be like, oh, Ottawa doesn't have, Ottawa's gonna give Jack Hughes to Colorado. I'm like, yeah, it sucks, but it's like, wouldn't it be freaking amazing if it came full circle? If we wanted anyway, uh, <laughs> that would be great. That just would be perfect. Yeah, and yeah, the San Jose team—if they don't get—if they don't get their goaltending house, goaltending house in, in order, order and if their forwards can't find the back of the net quick, uh, they're going to be looking at the rear ends of. Vegas, Anaheim, and sorry, Vegas, Anaheim, and maybe even Edmonton or Arizona in, in quick order. Mm -hmm. God, I miss Eric Carlson so much. Yeah, me too. So, Tim, should we head on to the close for another evening? Sounds good. Okay, first of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I loved recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsensecast. And because our bod Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter, at thirdlineplug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m901honeybadger, and I'm at greatwhitegipster, g-r-8-w-i-t-e-gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about these games, talk about Ben Harper, or you just want to talk about Eric Carlson being the reason we're going to get that first overall pick from San Jose, choose Woo! an email. ThirdLinePlugSenseCast at gmail.com. Okay, so we have three games on the schedule for this week, Tim. We've got the game versus the Montreal Canadiens in Montreal tomorrow, which is Tuesday. Thursday, the Montreal Canadiens plays the Senators in Ottawa. And Saturday, the Pittsburgh Penguins play the Senators in Ottawa. Huh. All of these games look winnable. But... Whoa, whoa Tim. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? We've jinxed ourselves. Well, yeah, that too. I was going to say 3-0. and 
Whoa. We almost went 4-0 this week. Yeah, actually. And the Canadians are actually... They're another team that's actually awful, but it depends on who co- which Carey Price comes to play, really. Yep. And Pittsburgh hasn't had the greatest season either. Yeah, but Sidney Crosby's back now. True. True, and we played the Crosby-less Penguins, and they looked bad. Yep. Hopefully that Penguins can show up again on Saturday. Yeah, I'd be pretty happy with that. Me too. Uh, yeah, let's see what their last few games have looked like. Uh, yeah, and that, actually, we'll have more to talk about Pittsburgh on next week because they traded Daniel Sprong. Yeah, we're definitely going to go talk about that next week, Tim. Mm-hmm. Until right. next week, Tim, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jensen. Go Sens, guys. My time here is up. They're going home!